Welcome back to People Are Wild. I'm Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER travel nurse of a host, and my goodness, has it been a minute since I've done this. Now, I just want to start off by saying that to all who are listening in real time, Happy New Year in February. Cut me some slack. Time is an illusion anyways. Real talk though, 2020. Yikes. And also, oof. Every single day since March 2020 feels like we've lived at least two verses of We Didn't Start the Fire Part 2 and Billy Joel has to be exhausted like me. Without going too deep into things, I've seen a lot and at the end of the day, I haven't felt inclined to do this podcast. I always want to give 100% into the things that I do. And in the early part of last year, I quickly lost my drive and motivation to keep this podcast going. A lot of my energy went into work and adjusting to working during a pandemic in the hospital. The uncertainty initially of what we were up against, the fear that we weren't equipped for this virus, lots of emotions that maybe one day I'll be able to share with you more fully when I can process it properly and hopefully when we're at post-containment. I tended to devote more of my time during my days off away from this podcast and into my self-care a phrase that we're all too familiar with by this time. I needed to have the disconnect from medical things and just reconnect with myself outside of work. Surprisingly, this podcast didn't help me with that. And if I can't give it the time and attention that it needs, then I didn't feel like doing it. See, I can never paint a picture vivid enough for most people to understand regarding what I've seen and heard and experienced while working in the ER during this pandemic. But know this, when I say it's bad, it is bad. And I thank all of you who have checked on me in various ways over the past year or so. I am forever grateful and appreciative and honestly overwhelmed by your empathy and compassion, by your ability to always be there for me and to listen to me vent. You have been directly responsible for me having the drive to even get this podcast restarted. I know some of you listen to get a bit of a perspective of the world of emergency medicine and what it's like to be an emergency nurse, but some of you listen in order to take a break from the world and the constant historical events that we keep inadvertently living through. I do want to say that if you follow me on Twitter or you know me in real life, you know a lot about my beliefs and what I'm passionate about regarding many issues. Especially in this year, 2021, it is the month of February, it is Black History Month, And with regards to racial disparities in healthcare, it is glaringly obvious how deep this issue runs as highlighted within this pandemic. With people of color being amongst the highest mortality rates from COVID, well, there's more that I want to say, but I must step off that soapbox for right now. But let me say this. It is up to us to learn and evolve and grow within this timeline we are allotted in order to create good things within our communities. Now, before I get way too off topic, I'm going to center myself and get out the jumper cables and hook this thing up because y'all, we are about to get this restarted. It is, as the older kids, the older millennials might say, 
this is going to be lit. And speaking of lit, I have indeed lit my Steve Irwin prayer candle. A big thank you to Sarah from the Good Nightmares podcast. And it smells like optimism, wildlife awareness, and a little dash of vanilla. And I have listened to Don't Speak by No Doubt on a loop repeat for about an hour, so I'm ready if you're ready to talk about how people are wild. Now, I don't know about y'all, but in the time before Little Baby Rona, I took my ears for granted. Aside from holding my sunglasses and making me look mysterious when I tucked my hair behind my ear while trying to flirt. (laughs) Nah, I'm just kidding. I never actually did that. Does that work? Somebody report back to me on that. Anyways, in regards to our ears... I just went as far as keeping my ears clean, and I just got kind of grossed out by the big chunks of wax that would end up mixed with my sweat after a particularly hard workout. Word to the wise, PSA, clean your headphones, y'all. And more of a reason as to why I love bone conduction headphones nowadays. Safety, not as much earwax, win-win. Anyway, I think a lot of us took our ears for granted, until now. When we constantly have a mask on in public spaces, or in my case in healthcare, wearing them constantly for about 12 hours at a time. And in my ER world, I tend to double up with an N95 as my base layer of masks and a simple mask over that. Initially, I use the cushioned protectors that they have for nasal cannulas to save my ears. My ears actually hurt for quite some time from wearing a mask initially. And I actually had somebody who sewed some buttons into my headbands and my scrub caps. And I did use that for a while. But at this point, almost a year later, I'm pretty sure something incredible and unexpected has happened because my ears have some sort of resilience and strength to them because wearing masks for 12 hours doesn't hurt at all. Uh, I think that there's something to that. We probably need to do a study on that somewhere in the future. Anyways, our ears are amazing until they turn on us and we have problems with them. And then we end up visiting the ER at 3 a.m. with an ear emergency. Now, I'm not talking about your friend who was drunk and fell off the bed as she was hooking up and caught the edge of an end table with her ear, which caused a nice laceration to that ear, requiring a lot of stitches to put back together and a solid alibi as to cover up what actually happened when she visited her family over the holidays and no... I will never stop retelling that story, even if I have to be as vague as possible with every chance that I get. Although that is technically a very specific ear injury that may or may not happen to my friend in college, you know who you are, let's talk about the more common reasons people visit the ER with ear issues, and maybe I can share some tips and tricks with what nurses and other ER providers do for people when they have these kind of problems. It should go without saying, but kids love to stick things in their ears. There is no amount of training or expertise that can prepare you for the surprise foreign object in a kiddo's ear. One time, a patient came in with a fever. Their parents had brought them in, and during the course of the well-child exam where you look into each of their ears, the provider was taken aback suddenly and asked the parents, Do you know that he has a bead in his ear? Needless to say, there was shock amongst the room between the parents. They didn't even realize it because their kid wasn't in any distress or pulling on their ears from it. We then proceeded to attempt to remove it in the ER, but we actually didn't have any success with it and ended up referring the patient to the nearest ENT doc in town. Because that kid wasn't really in distress 
and we were able to do other things in order to bring down their fever, it was then determined that it was reasonable and probably in the best interest to have that kiddo then follow up with that doc in a specialty sort of setting. Now, obviously, we told the parents if anything were to get worse or if there were any concerns to please immediately come back to the ER. But since we never really saw that kid, I am pretty sure they had some success either at home, where sometimes things just move on their own, or following up with the ENT as directed. But later on, the provider was actually talking to another provider, and there was a tip that was brought up that might be good for those of us who encounter this in our ER practice somewhere along the way. Using tissue adhesive glue on the wooden end of a long Q-tip. That's right. Putting a tiny drop of Dermabon or whatever you have in your ER's formulary and with a steady hand so you don't accidentally touch the external ear canal with it, guide the end in and line it up with the bead. Now wait about 20 to 50 seconds to let the glue really hold and dry in place. Then gently rotate the stick to loosen the bead and guide it out of the canal. Now, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Do not apply too much of that glue because it might drip into the canal and then inadvertently stick the bead to the ear canal. And then, well, you have an even bigger finasco, as Hannah Ann would say. Steady hands and patience goes a long way, but also factor in that this works well and maybe the best on kiddos that can sit still. And with the beauty of screen time being a great distraction and valuable resource for providers in performing these types of procedures where delicate maneuvers and finesse are needed, this is the perfect way to safely distract a kid. Then, always make sure to give them a toy or popsicle or sticker or five stickers because they did just as good a job as you did. So you gotta give your kids some kudos for holding still. Now, what happens when the foreign object in the ear is still living? Oh, yes. I've had patients come in with bugs in their ears. Unfortunately, the things that would make nightmare fuel is all too real for a lot of us in healthcare. It just doesn't happen that often that I see it. More so, I think, in the summer, if I were really to go back and think about how many times I've seen a bug in somebody's ear. I just want to put that out there. This does not happen a lot, okay? A lot of the time, if a bug crawls into your ear, it'll crawl right back out. So how's that for making you feel reassured? But sometimes when they don't, what is a person to do besides wanting to itch all over and panic and claw at their ear obsessively? At least it makes me itchy whenever someone comes in with a bug in their ear. So what we tend to do in the ER is kill the bug because it can be hella difficult to try and remove a moving target in a small space. And you just want to mitigate any factors in terms of biting or stinging from that insect. So you tend to use a few drops of oil, usually mineral oil. And I've read somewhere in the league of like one milliliter, which is about 15 drops or so. Either way, you want to keep going until you see the bug float out in the oil. And just as a reminder for anybody who is doing this in adults, pull the earlobe up and back at the same time. And for children, it works better if the earlobe is pulled down and back to open up that ear canal. Again, the insect should float out on the oil. 
And it's not uncommon to be prescribed a round of antibiotics after this invader is removed or actually after any foreign object is removed so as to minimize any chances of infection from their occupation of your ear canal. Also of note, please refrain from trying to shove something into your ear in order to fish out anything. This is going to be a reoccurring theme on this episode and probably a follow-up episode because I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to break this up into multiple things. Maybe two episodes. We'll see. When you try and fish something out by shoving something into it, you actually risk pushing that object in further. Or in the case of a living creature, you might cause it to bite or sting the inner ear canal, which would be even more uncomfortable and painful. Pause right here, though. Do you guys remember that episode of Survivor? And I actually looked it up in my research. It was season 32. Jen got a bug in her ear and she still competed, even though the bug had been chilling in her ear all night. So they eventually determined that she spent this like excruciating night where she said she could feel it. Oh, I I linked to it in the show notes. I can't I I I can't watch the video. It was bad enough watching it when I actually watched season 32 and it clearly has stuck out in my mind cuz I looked it up as who was that chick from Survivor who got a bug stuck in her ear. So Jen had this bug that crawled into her ear. It set up shop all night. And then she had no sleep because she felt it. It was painful. And then it ended up crawling out uh, either during the night or early in the morning before the competition. So she was actually able to compete with her tribe. But she said that she just felt it in there. And I'm sure to this day, she probably sleeps with something in her ear just or, or maybe she doesn't sleep with something in her ear, but she just probably like, I don't know. Jen, if you're out there from season 32 of Survivor, tell me, what did you do? afterwards in order to not have this racing thoughts that there's going to be bugs in your ears whenever you go to sleep. I just, I need to know those answers. Do you remember that in Raising Hope when uh, the one character slept with pantyhose so that spiders wouldn't get in her ears? Uh, I don't know if I would suggest that, but it's a good show. Rest in peace, Cloris Leachman. Anyways, so I linked to an article in the show notes for those inclined to watch her being miserable It's already Survivor. It's already bad enough. You're like down to like one bowl of rice, but then to have a bug crawl in your ear, mm -mm. you can outplay, outwit, outlast me indeed because I will be on the next boat out of there, Jeff Probst. Goodbye. On to the next type of ER, ear pain visit, chief complaint that we sometimes get to see, ruptured eardrums. Fun fact, my father, the infamous paw dad, ruptured his eardrum at Thanksgiving in my younger days and still persevered with carving the turkey before seeking medical attention. Would not recommend that in retrospect because he later told me that it was quite painful and he knew instantly, oh, I ruptured my eardrum. He did end up making a full recovery with it, and you'll understand why in just a second. Our eardrum is a delicate structure that is this thin tissue that separates the ear canal from the middle ear. When sound waves strike it, your eardrum vibrates. This is the beginning of the structures of your middle and inner ear doing what they do best in order to make those vibrations of sound into nerve impulses. Our eardrum also is a bouncer of sorts against riffraff like water, bacteria, and other foreign substances from getting all up into your middle and inner ear. We really do need to show some appreciation for our eardrums. They do the most with literally what little structures they have. So when there is an opening... It can impact the hearing and leave the middle ear susceptible to infection. The causes behind a ruptured eardrum, aka a tympanic membrane perforation, can be varied. 
Sometimes it's due to people sticking Q-tips beyond where they should. Just as a disclaimer, stick to the outer ear with Q-tips, okay? Your Q-tip use should not be aggressive. Also, apparently people love to stick bobby pins in their ears to clean them out, and that can in turn puncture the eardrum. Also, what? Why are you... I... I have questions. Ear infections can cause a perforation because the infection in the middle ear can build up so that the fluid from infection accumulates and causes this pressure which pushes against that thin structure and eventually causes it to burst, thus perforating the eardrum. Eardrums can also rupture after a loud noise as the eardrum is this structure that thrives off of equilibrium and pressurization which anyone who flies can attest to. Your ears constantly pop as you ascend or as you're landing, as your structures rapidly accommodate for that pressurization changes. So when there is a sudden pressure or equilibrium disturbance, it can rupture the eardrum in its attempt to compensate. So sometimes you see it happen with blast injuries like explosions Or if you don't have proper ear protection on at the gun range and someone fires at a close proximity, there's an air pressurization disturbance. It can also happen if you're at a concert, oh, remember those? And sometimes a loud sound can cause just enough disturbance to rupture the eardrum. Essentially, anything that is an overpowering sound wave can cause it. Some people don't have immediate pain, and instead they notice a sort of gush of fluid that they feel And that fluid can sometimes be bloody or it's like this pus-like discharge. And then they might notice some decreased or muffled hearing in that affected ear. They also might have sudden pain or dizziness. Either way, they need to get it checked out. Now, if you come into the ER and we look into your ear and we say, yes, there is a perforation in your eardrum, your eardrum has been ruptured, what are the next steps? Well, most of the time, your ear is awesome, and it heals all on its own. Sometimes, if there is a concern about infection, patients will go home with antibiotics. Either they take them orally, or they're in an eardrop version. And there are also instructions that are given in order to keep things clean, covered up, and dry as possible. So, I mention this because there was this reality TV show not too long ago, because I refuse to believe It was this long ago. Anyways, it was this U.S. adapted version of Celebrity Splash that we just called Splash Here. And it pitted celebrities against each other in high diving. Now, hold up. Yes, no, it was a real show. Louis Anderson was one of the people competing in it. Nicole Eggert. um, Drake Bell was in there. This is me just remembering it offhand. This isn't even me on my notes. That's how vast the reality TV compendium that is my mind goes. It lasted one season, and I think that that is actually a crime. Actually, probably not, because the insurance probably could not be covered for a season two, as there were so many injuries. Kendra Wilkinson was on it. Sorry. There were so many injuries to these celebrities on this show just during the first season. Now, one of the injuries was to Rory Bushfield, who is a Canadian skier. He's an extreme sports X Games type of guy. He was also on Nitro Circus, which is a Travis Pastrada reality TV joint. During one of Rory's practice dives, he hit the water in just the wrong way to cause a perforation in his eardrum. And you actually see, because it was all captured on camera, that he has this instantaneous, he comes up from the water, he's in pain, he's holding his ear, 
and he actually went through four doctors before getting approval to continue to dive on this show. In order for an eardrum to properly heal, it definitely needs to not be around water consistently like it would be for a TV show that is based around high diving into water. Water going into your middle ear can lead it to going into further in, like into your inner ear, and it's all bad news. So he actually had to improvise and wear this special dive dressing headband that he wore over that ear, and that's what he practiced and competed in, which maybe was good luck for him because he ended up winning the whole thing. I didn't spoil anything. Before you get mad, I did not spoil anything because none of you would have watched it because you didn't watch it then and we didn't get a season two. So don't come at me like that. Thank you. Back to treatments for ruptured eardrums. Pain control is usually managed well with over-the-counter medications like an Aleve, a Tylenol, and like I said, sometimes antibiotics are also prescribed, especially if there is a suspicion that the ear infection might have actually caused the perforation. Then it's all about time. It can take a few weeks for a perforated eardrum to fully heal, and follow-up is critical in terms of making sure that things are healing according to plan. If there is any sort of complications with healing, it needs to be addressed promptly. And so you need to make sure to follow up with your primary care doctor. Some of the complications, though, are what I'll go into right now. Hearing loss is usually temporary with this, and it returns upon the healing of the actual perforation in the eardrum. But if it doesn't, it definitely warrants a trip to the doctor and maybe to the ENT to see if there's something else going on. The degree of a perforation, that is, how big is that rupture, can sometimes require a surgical intervention in order to patch it up. Infection is always a concern with this injury as well, because now there's an opening in the body. And bacteria, well, they are notorious for shooting their shot. If bacteria is able to get into these middle and inner ear structures, It can cause recurrent ear infections and constant ear issues like drainage and maybe even gradual hearing loss. One other complication of a ruptured eardrum is this quite rare formation of a cyst in the middle ear. So normally our earwax, our cerumen, that's a fun word that I'll be using a lot in the follow-up to this, this cerumen is our ear protection in that it gets out the bad stuff that gets into our ear canals. To be a bit technical, cerumen is the self-cleaning agent with protective, lubricating, and antibacterial properties. So the junk in our ear canal moves out of our ears thanks to earwax, and we wipe it clean when we clean out the outer ear area. Now with a ruptured eardrum, the junk in the ear canal can go into the middle ear. This can cause a cyst to form in the middle ear. The cyst creates this beautiful haven for bacteria to hang out, kick back, and, well, cause some damage to those bones of the middle ear, which is not a good thing in the long run for hearing and all of that good stuff that probably is relevant and necessary for us to be able to function. So protect those ears in the following ways in order to reduce the incidence of rupturing that precious eardrum. If you suspect you have an ear infection get seen by your primary care provider or the pediatrician if you suspect it's your kiddo that is having an ear infection. They need to be addressed sooner rather than later. Always wear ear protection 
as needed, especially if you're working around explosive materials or just in a profession or area where there's a potential for pressurization changes. If you're flying, try not to fly if you're congested. And let me get on a little soapbox here. Don't fly if you're sick right now, in general. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and even if you just have a cold, quote-unquote, you're putting your immune system in a Kenny Loggins-inspired danger zone. But I do get it. Life does happen. So if you absolutely have to fly, and you have difficulty with popping your ears with chewing gum, which is my go-to for takeoff and landing, you can always do the good old pinch the nose, close your mouth, and blow your nose to get those ears to quote-unquote pop. How good, though, does it feel when you pop those ears sometimes? It is heavenly, I think. Also, word to the wise, try not to sleep on takeoff and landing because that's when more of that pressurization is in flux and you can get those issues with that buildup, essentially, and potentially increase your risk of perforating your eardrum. Now, I am making my episodes initially a little bit shorter, easing back into things and making it more palatable for you and me. So in part two of this, we're going to talk all about cerumen and all about how you can get it out and ear infections a little bit too. I can't wait. Can you? Keep this excitement level until the follow-up episode. Now, aside from obvious ear trauma of like it getting cut badly or something gets impaled or caught in it, consider seeking out the ER if there is hearing loss or ringing in your ears, severe pain in the ear, dizziness, balance issues, blood or discharge coming from the ears in general. And you'll probably hear me say this again in the follow-up episode because these are the big takeaways from these episodes. As well as this little tidbit, if you've had a recent blow to the head, you should probably be seen by a doctor even if you feel fine, even if you're cleared, even if you're just like, it's totally okay. Because there's something that happens that the ears actually are crucial with indicating something really, really critical and sometimes really life-threatening going on inside our bodies. And what I'm talking about is something called battle's sign. Now, this is a large bruise that extends across the entire backside of one or both ears. It can be an indication of a serious and sometimes life-threatening head injury, such as a basilar skull fracture. These are not words that together mean good things, right? It may take a day or more for that bruise to appear after the skull has been fractured, and it can be the result of auto accidents, a kick to the head like you see maybe in an MMA fight, or sparring is usually how I end up seeing a lot of those injuries is just in practice, bike accidents, especially when there isn't a helmet on that bicycle rider, falls, or sometimes being physically assaulted. So please do not write off any sort of significant trauma or blow to the head. Get checked out, monitor yourself, and seek out the ER, especially when things do seem to be getting worse or if there's any concern about anything. Now, at the end of the day, paying attention to your ear health can go a long way for yourself and others. And when in doubt, just get checked out. And if you take nothing away from these episodes, please stick to cleaning the outer ear and for the love of the above, do not shove things into your ear canal put the q-tip down. Now before we round it out with this episode, I definitely wanted to play a promo for a shiny new podcast premiering later this week, February 12th. It's called Criminality and it blends together, well, my first and probably one true love, reality TV, as well as true crime. 
in order to make a delightful smoothie full of nostalgia with a Baja blast of criminal charges. Not everything's about murder either, so don't think that it's one of those types of podcasts. Now, I got a chance to listen to the first episode, and just like the 50 Cent and Jaw Rule Beef, I am fully invested and fully into it, and you might end up recognizing the two people behind the mics. Hey guys, Melissa from Moms and Murder here, inviting you to check out my new show, Criminality, where I'll be taking a look at crime and reality TV with my co-host, Rebecca Sebastian. Hi friends, I'm Rebecca, host of Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Face it, we all love to hate reality TV because what's better than escaping your dumpster fire of a life than watching someone else's? Join us as we discuss everything from a teen mom with feathers in her hair to a 90-day fiancé who enjoys a box of matches, and we may just call Nancy Joe while wearing our best pair of little brown BB shoes that only cost $29. And we can't forget the true crimes of the real housewives. Guys, they all have mugshots. That's where I'll be lending my expertise. We'll break it all down for you every other Friday beginning February 12th, 2021. So go to criminalityshow.com and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Criminality, because loving reality isn't a crime. Ugh, I love a good Alexis Nyers deep dive. And so it is. So definitely check out Criminality. That first episode, it already has my heart. You gotta love a good Jersey Shore deep dive. Oh yeah. You guys are into it. I know it. I can feel it. Now, in order to properly make a return to this podcast, it's the return and a, maybe a remix of an old favorite, You Got What Stuck Where. And instead of guessing, this is a brand new year. So I am just going to remix it. And I just want to bring you the story without leaving any of you on a cliffhanger. You are welcome. I have seen the light and perhaps the error of my ways. And I also ended up being gifted a book filled with x-rays and stories of people getting foreign objects stuck inside themselves in different places. It's not all up the keister, y'all. But for the sake of this episode, yeah, I think that it ends up being involved with the keister. But it doesn't start there. There's never been a shortage of these patients. And for that, I feel like we are all thankful. So here we go. Countess Luann once proclaimed that money can't buy you class, but as we are about to find out, diamonds can come out of your ass. Did I do that line just to make it rhyme? Absolutely. Diamonds have been reported to be a girl's best friend, but for a man in South Africa, they became a jail sentence and a gastrointestinal journey. The 25-year-old anonymous man was caught at the airport trying to board a plane from Johannesburg to Dubai. Law enforcement had received a hot tip from a concerned citizen, I'm sure, and were able to arrest the man before he boarded the flight. To me, I just think that somebody might have snitched on him in order to get this tip because, well, you'll see. As he was taken off the flight, he was held by law enforcement and was given laxatives in order to facilitate the expulsion of diamonds out of his system. That's right, it was estimated that he had diamonds worth $2.3 million that he had swallowed, and they estimated that it was about 220 polished diamonds that he ingested. Now, normally when people ingest things and they come into the ER, we end up having to call poison control in order to just have some guidance and some timeline in order to proceed with what we have to do to get things out. However, I'm not sure if there's a South African poison control line or any sort of line that can help with facilitating 
getting diamonds out of your system. So for some people who are body packers, yeah, you just give them a lot of stuff to help them offload, if you will. But 220 polished diamonds? I am just, I am constantly in awe of how accommodating the body can be and how motivated humans can be by promises of large sums of money. Now, of note, this was the second arrest in South Africa after a few months before this incident. Law enforcement arrested a 27-year-old man who had $1.7 million worth of diamonds that he had ingested in his system. Unclear on how they recovered that haul, but I'm sure you can fill in the blanks. Looks a lot like Groundhog Day. Lesson of the day for me, and perhaps for you, don't stick things in my ears and diamond smuggling. Don't even try to get involved with it, kids. And with that, I just want to remind you guys to... Oh, what is it I say to close out the show? Um, you know what? It's pandemic times, so let's revamp it. Stay safe. Mask up. Believe in the good. And look out for the overlooked and underserved in your community.